0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is a senior technical program manager, Ms. Lynn Lucas. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. I I wanted to bring you back because we had a great conversation on our first podcast about protesting, but this time I wanted to get more into your career.
1: Oh, sure. Sure. I'm a nerd. I'm a STEM kid, so I like talking about that stuff.
0: Now, let's, let's go to the beginning. How did you actually get into the field?
1: So, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth when I was in high school, um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually took programming. I went to a technical high school and took programming in high school. I took Fortran. But it was really different back then um we were using mainframe computers and for the folks who have no idea what that means it was as 400 but the computer was the size of your bedroom like literally from ceiling to floor the size of your entire bedroom um and writing fortran that programming language back in the day it would take us hundreds of old school punch you remember punch cards like the time cards used to punch in with
0: Actually
1: when we, <laughs> yeah. When we coded, we would um, code the language into a machine and the machine would spit out the punch cards, like the time cards that you used to punch in and out. And then we would have to load those, those punch cards into the computer for the program to run. And it was a super lengthy, like time intensive process. And it was boring as I don't know what. And as soon as I graduated from high school, I was like, I'm not doing this. And I spent, you know, years doing other stuff and then the industry changed and computers got smaller and faster so that the amount of programming power that was on that gigantic machine was on one single little laptop or one little little desktop machine and the programming languages switched from really uh, verbose really you know long programming languages like fortran to stuff like java which is very concise um so programming got easier and i decided to get back in the industry in
0: 2001. so, so let me let me make sure i'm clear you, had things not gotten smaller you would have stayed away from the field
1: i, I like i <laughs> like <laughs> it, i was allergic to it i was so over here's it's hard to describe the lay people but here's how intensive it was in order to, to print two words hello world to a piece of paper, it would take like 800 lines of code. It was like writing a small book because you had to include all kinds of instructions for the computer to get the computer, the computer to do it. Now it takes one line of code to write Hello World to a screen. Like what used to take us a half a day to do, now it takes about, you know, seconds. So oh. I, was, I, I was adamant, I'm, like, I'm not doing that no more. I could go like be in retail. I could go be an office manager. I could go do all these other things. I'm not doing that because it takes too long and it's, it's boring. And yeah, it wasn't until honestly, like this guy liked me. And he was a network admin and he was trying to get me to change careers and he started chatting with me on Yahoo Chat. Yup, you remember Yahoo Chat? Or is that before your time?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, we not that far apart of age. Okay. agree. <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure. You never know what the people you listening make, either. You're making it like I'm talking to Harriet Tubman or
1: something. <laughs> I'm saying, it, it seemed like so long ago because things have changed so much in the last like 20 years. But, um... He started hitting me up on Yahoo chat and sending me messages. He was flirting with me, but he was also trying to get me to come back in the industry. Um, and I knew I was going to go back to school. I just wasn't sure I would go back for computers, but the more we talked and the more I learned how much things had changed that encouraged me to get back in. But I was, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm so good without that in my life. And then he started talking about how much money they make. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Let me think about this again. <laughs> uh, Cause the money was really good. Like really, really good. Yeah.
0: What was you What was you doing before before you actually got back into the field?
1: I worked for the at the time when I actually went back to school and started thinking about going back into computers. I was working for the Department of Motor Vehicles in Georgia, in Atlanta, um, coding tags and titles. So I was making maybe twenty six a year, just to get people to keep it in perspective. So I was, you know, right under the poverty level, um, the national poverty level, and To make a long story short, I went back to school, got my degrees, got an internship, got my first dev job. My first development gig doubled my salary off the rip. Right. I make more than that now, but just to give it, it, the money is really good. But more importantly, we do so much on computers and with computers now, there's a lot of opportunity. And I always want to encourage folks, like, you don't have to code. (laughs) Like, there's other things that you could do and still have a career in technology, so...
0: What was, this, what was the deciding factor that made you go back in, into the field? Because you, you, you got away from it, and then you said the gentleman yep. was flirting with you. But what, yeah, what made you make the decision to go back?
1: I was in school, um, and I think I had, gone in with an under, I had gone back to school as an adult um, with an undeclared major, and I took a critical thinking class. And in this critical thinking class, we had to create a webpage to talk about who we were, describe ourselves. And to build a web page, you had to code it in HTML. HTML is a front-end language. It, it controls how um, web pages display. So I learned in this class, I learned HTML, and it was easy. Like, it was easy, like, writing a Word document or, you know, um, create the PowerPoint it was literally super easy to create this web page and when I realized how much easier it was than the back in the day writing Fortran code to say hello world to the screen I was like you know what there might be I might actually be good at this and I might actually be interested enough to put a whole lot of effort into it and that's what really decided me I went and talked to my um Advised advisement talked about changing my major, which was not really a big deal. And then I talked to the teacher for that critical thinking class. He was like, you have a natural attitude for it and you have the background in it. He was like, the only thing that's really stopping you is you. So it was really that simple. The
0: criti- what the critical... Let's say you never took that critical thinking class. You Is it is it safe to say you never would have
1: changed? <laughs> no, because... Th- And this was like 90, we're not going back to school, 99. Um, You get exposure in other, if I never took any computer science or business school classes, I may not have. But I was, even though I was an undeclared major, I was an undeclared major in business school and business schools have a tendency to at least get one class that exposes students to um, the computers or the internet just because it's so pervasive now. So even if your major is finance, or accounting or taxes you there is one computer information systems class that's required in most business schools across the country and that class is the class that normally gives folks enough exposure to see if whether they want to do a career in information technology or information science or if their their chosen path if they're a finance major or a marketing major if they're going to have some interaction with um, computer information systems or comp size. So that class would have convinced me even if the critical thinking class didn't convince me. I actually taught that um, intro, it's, it's normally like an intro to information systems or an introduction to computer information systems. I've taught that class a few times actually. And, and now I get, once I started teaching it, I learned this is why they do it, is to give students exposure so that they know they're going to have to interact with computers best for them to you know, get some skills and, and learn how to do something that they're fairly decent at. It, so,
0: where, where did you teach at? What level?
1: Uh, collegiate. I've never taught high school um, or uh, middle school or or anything. Um, I have three degrees. I have an associate's, a bachelor's, an MBA. And when I was working towards the end of my MBA, I was invited to teach a couple classes. So,
0: what was your initial reaction? To- when you was asked to teach?
1: I wasn't surprised. You know, like, I went back to school when I was in the early 30s um, and realized, you know, there's a lot of demand for computer information systems and comp sci classes because a lot, there's a lot of demand in the field. But also, um, I, I, and I'm not trying, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm bragging, I have a natural aptitude for it. Um, And I have a a bit of an aptitude for teaching also. So I wasn't really surprised. Um, They do need folks who have industry experience or um, an aptitude for it to teach it so that they can make it relevant for the students, which is the most important thing. Like to have a good grasp of the information that you're presenting, but also being able to make it relatable for all all of your students. So, So I wasn't surprised when they asked me to teach it. Did
0: you enjoy it? Did you enjoy teaching it?
1: It was one of my favorite classes. So this class is the class that all business school majors have to take. Like I mentioned, finance, marketing, accounting, uh, economics. Um, if you are in a business school, you have to take this class. So the class, the, the classes are fairly diverse. Like I had, I remember this distinctly. I had a guy who um, he had declared as a marketing major, but he was adamant he was going to be an A&R for... Um, it had to have been one of the music labels in Atlanta. So he was like, I'm just getting this bachelor's degree because my parents have forced me to, I really don't want to take this class. Um, <laughs> Cause he knew, he was like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to represent all these rappers. I'm going to be rich. I don't need this. I'm like, I promise you your, your artists are going to be on the internet. And while you think you don't need this, when it comes to doing research, when it comes to trying to build them out of webpage and work on their web presence or, you know, help them with their social media, you need to be well-versed in this. And it, the class convinced them eventually. When we did the re- the researching portion, like trying to find information on the internet, it, which is a set of several exercises we do as part of that class, that stuff kind of con- finally convinced them. Like, you might want to learn how to research. Cause if one of your artists gets into legal trouble, you want to know how much information is out there on this <laughs> artist. <throat. laughs>
0: so it sounds like you... You got him to take the class serious.
1: I did, did he, after that he did take the class seriously, yeah. What,
0: that I want to get into um the field because I'm sure well I'm not gonna say I'm sure, but in the field. Um when you were coming in, did you have did you have any mentors? Oh,
1: um. I, I've had people, I, not formal mentors, I've had people who have I've networked with and engaged with and we kind of um, supported each other. If that makes sense, like the guy who was flirting with me, it, it, he wasn't a formal mentor. Um, we dated after that. But, um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he always shared information with me, which was always helpful. The formal mentoring, I've always found it hard to find mentors because for most tech folks, the mentor is somebody who, who gives you advice and guides you, but they're normally a little further along in their career so that they can help you with questions regarding your career. And I, I, that's always been a little challenging for me because in a lot of settings, I'm like the only of my kind. I'm the only black person a lot of times or, or I'm the only woman or I'm the only black woman. And it's hard to find mentors who can relate to that. If that makes sense. Um, so I've had, yeah. So I've had a lot of folks that I've networked with, but not necessarily a lot of formal mentors. The networking those was a huge supplement. Like it helped a lot. Um,
0: yeah. Has it has it been challenging navigating? You know, because again, you it's not a lot of not a lot of women, not a lot of black women, definitely in the field. And you just, and yeah. as you just said, like you didn't have people that look like you. So was that challenging yeah. to not have people look like you?
1: It is. It is. Um, it was. <laughs> let me clarify. It was, when I started 20 years ago, it continues to be challenging, um, even though time has passed and there are more of us, we're still underrepresented. Um, and that's something that I'm passionate about in trying to assist in or change a bit. Um, but yeah, a lot of times you walk in the room and it's just you and people like, you know, is she the admin? What is she doing here? I, early career, it happened a whole lot more than it does now. Early career... Folks are like, um, you secretary? <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, I'm here just like you are. Um, and I've had folks say I didn't look like a developer, which was always interesting to me. And then they would be like, well, no, because you dress really nice and you wear like, a, you know, your makeup is cute and stuff. I'm like, that sounds good. But I know that's not necessarily what you meant, right. but okay. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> how, to, how to keep your composure and overcome those situations
1: picking your battles and deciding what you think is worthy of an actual escalation or, you know, talking to HR and what's not. A lot of the stuff is not, um, a lot of the stuff is more like, okay, I see that you're uninformed. So my presence here will inform you and you will learn, you know, as you interact with me that you were uninformed or under informed. Um, But sometimes when it is egregious, when it is unavoidable and when it is obvious, like, okay, so me, my presence here and me doing this work and and me as an example is not informing you. Then let me go talk to HR and we can talk about how you can get coached or let me go talk to HR. And they can talk to you about your company policies and how what you're doing and saying might be violating the company policy, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, but yeah, it's picking your battles and a lot of those battles, people will become informed when they see the work, when they see you, how you operate, when they, um, realize that you are qualified or overqualified, um, when they see that you have an attitude and you're well versed in things and, and you have knowledge. Um, for those who refuse to see that's a again, that's a different conversation, but Yeah.
0: What you you said that you you're actually an advocate for getting more black women in the field. So I wanted you to talk about some of the things that you're doing.
1: Not just black women. Um
0: women in general
1: underrepresented groups in general because okay. there's a lack of there's a lack of so there's a gap with women there's a gap with black folks men and women okay. latin x latin folks are also underrepresented indigenous folks are, un, are also underrepresented um and all of that is important to address not just for the groups that are underrepresented, um, tech companies need talent, and that talent needs to be diverse so that they don 't make missteps in the public. Um, sometimes when we see those missteps, they become very public, where a company does something or you know releases a, a product or the advertising, the messaging is off and black folks are like, I can't believe they actually said that or Latinx folks are like, I can't believe they actually said that it's because when they put this together, there was no representation in the room. So they didn't know that anything was wrong. Um, and that is super problematic. Like at this point in 2020, that shouldn't actually happen. And you should be running this by relatively diverse marketing folks who can catch that kind of thing. Um, so to that end, there's a lot. There's a lot of work and a lot to do. I have done a little bit of of different things. I have done um, presentations, STEM presentations at I think middle school and high school level. Um, STEM, for those listening, is science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, those are the technology-related uh, majors that a lot of folks talk about, and the fact that you know there's underrepresentation in those areas. So it would be like making a STEM presentation during Black History Month and talking about um, the tech field and going to, out to a high school to do a presentation to talk about what I do, but also talk about the field overall and encourage folks to to pursue education in the STEM field and or careers in the STEM field. Um, I've done one-on-one mentoring with, uh, Groups like Year Up, Year Up actually does one-on-one mentoring for high school students to try to provide career guidance, and it might be a monthly, uh, once-a-month meeting as a mentor to talk about, you know, what that uh, teen's goals are and how they can get to those goals and setting the interim uh, milestones for the goals to help them get there. Um, it could be <laughs> bringing in students to tour our um, our corporate facilities um high school students or early college students to encourage those students this is what a tech company looks like and this is what we do day to day and you can peer um pair with me today and we could do a day in the life and you can sit down with me and watch me code and and watch what happens to the code when i'm done with the code and see how the code works in production i've done that um now, at this stage, because I've been in the game for a while, um, I'm more focused on um, actively recruit, recruiting and or those efforts at the collegiate level. So um, with my current employer trying to work on recruiting efforts, uh, videos that show what we do, because um, I think it has a broader reach, um, career fairs, going out into the field to, to do active on-campus recruiting, um, I think we're going to end up doing some things to add some HBCUs, um, that kind of thing. And also me encouraging other folks like me inside of the company to become involved in these efforts so we have more folks to actually do this kind of thing. Um, I think also we want to influence um, our tech leadership across broadly across multiple companies to ensure they understand why all of these things are important so that they'll put time, energy, effort, and money, because money funding is important. And when we do recruiting, we want the recruiting efforts to be just as well funded as the other recruiting efforts for the other folks at the other campuses. Um, We're looking for equity and parity. Um, So educating our leadership to talk about why these efforts are important, gaining their buying and their support and gaining their funding so we can, um, the efforts that we put forth in in these areas are effective.
0: On a personal level, how does it make you feel, you know, now that you've, you know, achieved the level of success and you get the opportunity to go back and, and reach out to others? So how does that make you feel?
1: It's very gratifying, I, I, tech, I cannot stress enough that tech companies need talent and it's good to be able to connect them them and their talent needs with folks who are looking for both a, a short-term job and long-term career paths. Um, like that's very gratifying. I have had peers and mentors that I have worked with who have reached out to me repeatedly and still reach out to me um, to talk about opportunities that they come across for direction on which way they should head, if they need to go back and pick up a boot camp or learn coding on their own or learn about a particular um, technology, if they need to learn about cloud technology or software as a service or, you know, just whatever the technology they're studying, if they, if I think it's valuable and point them in the direction of where they can get more information or maybe go pick up a certification or whatever it takes to um, sort of enhance their career and make them a better candidate. Like, it's really gratifying to see when they, they get the job that they were looking for or they make the career change that they were looking for or um, they get further along the career path. Like, I love to see the fruits of that labor. It doesn't have to be me benefiting either. I like to see other folks benefiting as well. And I think the companies do better. Like, I, it's, it enriches the company um, in ways that that's kind of hard to quantify. Um, it's more a qualitative thing where your teams are more diverse, that diversity in the employee base, it, it feeds innovation. And so I love to see it from the company's angle in that way also.
0: I'm gonna ask you a question and maybe you're qualified to answer it, maybe not, but I think it's a fair question to ask. Um, in regards to the underprivileged communities, do you think there's, there's enough going on to promote STEM?
1: I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, do, I honestly don't. So I'm not qualified to answer. I'm a technical program manager by trade. I manage programs and projects. The outreach to underprivileged and underdeveloped communities is not my purview. But from observation, And a little bit of study i studied oh gosh in graduate school for part of my mba as part of my capstone i studied how other countries underdeveloped countries um try to promote stem technologies in their country and we we studied brazil russia india and china and i got india and that india case was very interesting in that they started learning java the it's, which is the very dominant programming language used now in a lot of enterprise environments. When I say enterprise, these are large scale corporations. Most of the ones whose name come to your mind when you think about large scale tech companies, um, they use Java. They're, they're learning Java in middle school, like at, at 11 and right. At 11, 12 years old, advanced calculus and higher level math are all covered in high school so when they get to college they're hitting the ground running with a whole slew of stuff already in their backpack if that makes sense and if and you keep my kids are in their 20s and 30s so i'm a little distant from what's taught at the middle school and high school level but from what i've observed the curriculum hasn't changed in the u.s that much so, kids aren't getting classes in technology either eighth grade at the very earliest, and even that is kind of early for some schools, or in high school, they get exposure. And they're not learning programming languages like, you know, the high-level interaction with computers, like how to use it to do things like Word and Excel. They're not learning how to code. So, it, it feels like we're a little behind, and I feel like instead of us focusing focusing our efforts on that at college we need to bring it in into high school and middle school and we need to sort of focus a little on the undeserved underserved communities underprivileged communities because the gap there is wider than it is in other areas but trying to sell that like trying to get both educators to buy in. The educators are taxed, particularly public school education. Teachers are taxed. Like they don't, they don't have enough in. Them. They don't have it in them to. They're already under resourced. Like they barely can. Some schools barely get functional computers, or functional iPads, and functional laptops. So trying to get them to teach, you know, programming at seventh and eighth grade is an impossible task. Um, And given our current, and I don't want to talk about politics too much, but given our current administration and how they keep pulling money out of the school, it's kind of hard to fix that. Um, But I feel like it's almost urgent that we address that because we lose ground to other cultures in that area. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, yeah, it definitely did.
0: <laughs> it okay. definitely did. It was well detailed
1: and <laughs> well thought out.
0: <laughs> okay. You've had you've had like you said you've had um, twenty years in the industry, so you had yeah. a good time to reflect and look back. Um, yeah. What is the most rewarding thing you say about your career thus far?
1: Oh gosh, that's a really good question. Um, it has allowed me to travel um both professionally as a person who works in the field I've been able to go to most of the technology centers in the country I've been to San Francisco and San Diego and um Silicon Valley I've been to Austin cuz so for everyone listening Silicon Valley um Southern Cal is a technology hub Google and Apple and there's a bunch of companies in that area Um, In Austin, there are also offices for a lot of those companies in the Austin, Texas area. Um, I'll probably be going on the East Coast, um, somewhere in the uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and then maybe New York. Sometime, whenever they list list this travel ban, I'll probably end (laughs) up going to... To, uh, I know there's not a real ban, but for most companies, they're like, yeah, we don't want to deal with the risk, so they're kind of halting our work-related travel, but I'll probably end up going to uh, New York and the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area sometime whenever this travel ban is let up. Um, and then even small town, like I've been able to go to smaller cities within uh, some of these states, like I've gone to smaller um, uh, cities within uh, the state that I currently in to to do some tech work, so um, that's been very enriching, but also my, our teams are super diverse. So the current team I'm on, um, we have representation from all over the world. Um, China, Japan, America, uh, South America. Um, let me think if there's any other country I'm missing, uh, uh Ireland, um, Canada, Gosh, is that... I'm trying to think, is that it? Mexico? Oh, gosh. I think that's it. But you get (laughs) the idea. You get the idea. You meet people from all over the world. And some of them are first or second gen. So, like... You learn a lot about other folks' culture by, you know, when you work with them, obviously, there's a lot of interaction. And and plus when they travel, they'll go travel and come back and we'll hear stories. And India, gosh, I don't know how I forgot India. And India, um, you learn a lot about their culture by the stories that they share when they come back and about how technology is used in their country, um, which is always really, really fascinating. So I think that's been super enriching, And then how much the industry has changed. When I tell you... I can't stress enough having to do all that stuff on a mainframe 20 years ago and then being there, I can do it from my phone now, which is crazy to me. Like we went from a a computer the size of your room to a computer the size of like a desktop computer, then to a laptop, then to the the iPad. And now I can do certain little coding stuff. Not real code, but like some of the functionality that we all do on – Our phones are stuff we could only do on a real computer. Like all that Photoshop stuff, you couldn't do that 10 years ago on a phone. And people Photoshop now like there's nothing. (laughs) Y'all know. Y'all see all these folks with these filters and they be cutting their head out and putting on other folks' bodies. I'm like, how did you do that on your phone? That's crazy. You know, and, I, I
0: don't know how to do it. So. <laughs>
1: I don't. I, I don't. It's too hard. Like I can't see. Um, I have glasses now, so I can't really see like that. But in my head, I'm like, Yo! It used to take me like an hour or two to do that with Photoshop on my on my laptop. You know, with a mouse and everything. And you actually drew that out with your fingertip on the phone. That's crazy.
0: So, because technology is is constantly evolving, is that one? Of the, is that one of the things that enables you to like stay fresh and stay shot with in your field?
1: And you have to, and you have to keep up. <laughs> <You have> to, <laughs> <laughs> and folks do kind of, um, I don't know if they take that seriously. When I tell you this afternoon, um, I did say I was going to spend some time reading and I'm going to read some books that are not related to computers, but I also have some certifications that I need to work on too. And I'm looking at my bookshelf like, yeah, they're they looking kind of dusty over there. I might have to pick one of them, them computer <laughs> books up again too. Um, but that is part of the job. Like, there's a certain, depending on the work environment, um, there's a, they expect a certain amount of your time to be spent on, you know, staying up to date when it comes to technology. So, you know, books at work or, wik, like we have our own version of wiki, uh, Wikipedia. It's an internal knowledge base that we can use to learn stuff. Um, sometimes folks will have whole books available online or or free courses, that kind of thing. We have those internally. And to any listener, I would avail them, like, Harvard has a whole library online that's free to use. MIT has a whole library online that's free to use. Those books and some of the courses are free. You don't have to register with the school or pay any fees to use them. You can... You could literally, if you wanted to, learn the code at home with your regular old computer and any of those courses, or dip your toes in the water to see if this is something that you think you're good at or want to learn. I would tell any listener to avail themselves of this free information um, to determine whether there's a career in this. And this is how we normally get like high school students who weren't in the, the field to think about it. Gaming is huge. There's so much money in gaming. I'm not... I'm not fluent in gaming, but there's so much money in gaming. I invest in gaming. Don't get it twisted. Like, I will (laughs) drop some money on some stocks in gaming. But it's not something um, from a professional standpoint that I'm well versed in. But these kids can learn. Like, an 11-year-old, and I feel really old saying this, an 11-year-old will, like, pick up a gaming app and learn how to code the gaming app, you know, in minutes things that it takes us hours and days to struggle to learn. They'll, they'll have a natural aptitude and some of the systems that they use to create games are fairly simple to use. So as a parent, if you can get your um, children to uh, like black girls code or uh, code camps or like one of the online code schools and just tell them, go play this game. And the game is not really a game. The game is really teaching the kid how to code, but they don't know that. The kid's like, "Oh, this is fun!" And next thing you know, the kid is putting their own game together. Like this stuff is, is I love these ingress points, these ways that you can encourage kids to get into the field, and then they can figure out what is they're good at, or what interests them, or or what they have a natural aptitude for. So,
0: you, yeah, I'm sure that well, I you know I hate saying I'm sure. I'm not gonna say I'm sure, but i 'm going to assume, for the sake of this conversation, that you 're not going to do this forever, so after oh. this is done, <laughs> after this is done what do you what do you want to do to close out the chapters of your life
1: um I have said that I wanted to teach i i'd waffle on that because I think it's important for people to be passionate about it. And if I'm not passionate about it, I don't want to do it. But I think I probably will end up teaching probably at the high school level, want to get the kids in earlier than, I, than the collegiate level. By, by college, they know what they're going to do. I wanted to start encouraging kids to at high school or middle school level, like, come come be STEM kids with me. Um, but to be honest, I have said many times, they're going to have to kick me out of my work seat, because I love what I do so much. And it's not physically taxing, so, like, I don't know that i necessarily – I got, what, 11-ish years if I retire at 65, you know, so uh, 16 if I retire at 70. They're going to have to kick me out my seat because <laughs> <And they, laughs> I like what I do too much. And it's funny because I used to work with a colleague at a different company. Um, this is a financial services company um, who – he wrote COBOL. And your wife will understand what I mean when I say this. COBOL is an old language. It's not really supported anymore. However, there are, are a bunch of financial services systems that were coded in COBOL that they cannot get rid of because it's a bunch of banks and banking institutions and apps that run on COBOL. And um, you would think that they would re-architect them, but that's it's, it's a huge challenge to re-architect these systems from scratch. And he was—he told me he retired three times. He keeps retiring and keep bringing them back, and he keeps trying to keep bringing them back because nobody knows the language anymore. He got a whole island in the Caribbean somewhere that's just his, and he'll go retire and stay on the island and take six months off, and they'll bring him back for three months, and he'll make his whole year salary, a whole six month salary <laughs> in three months. But he got the life for real.
0: Must be nice.
1: (laughs) Okay. When I tell you the money is nice, listen, I don't even get paid like a lot of folks do because some of these young ones, real sharp young ones, they get paid like athletes. I will say this. The first time I walked into one of the high-tech offices and I looked in the parking lot, and the parking lot was Lamborghinis and Teslas and Mercedes-Benz and BMWs. And I had my little beat-up Hyundai, a regular old Hyundai, like not no fancy <laughs> Hyundai. And I saw, and I was saying butterfly doors. And you know what I'm saying? I was like, wait, wait, like y'all making this kind of bank? Like, it's always like, oh, I'm the broke one. Oh, okay. But you get, <laughs> they get paid really well. And it's hard to get, you know the, the STEM thing ain't, it's not sexy. You don't see it on TV. And, it's, you know, we're not endorsing Nikes and nothing. You know what I'm saying? So right. people don't look at it the same. Um, what I tell you, I'm like, these folks be taking vacations and, and, you know, a week off in, in the Caribbean or three weeks off to, to, to backpack in, in Europe. And I'm just like, if I could get kids to understand that part too, you know what I'm saying? Like it's all good to say, well, if it, it interests you and you're smart and you're good at it, you can like have a career, make good money. It's a whole different thing to say, yeah, and you can ball out and buy dope chains and get you a Tesla. And, and you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but some people do make that. Like if you look at Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and, and Jeff Bezos, like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, they make money hand over foot. And there's nothing stopping a kid from any well, – you need financing, but our kids could be doing the same thing, right. you know, developing apps, making those kind of moves also. And I want to make sure that kids understand that.
0: Yeah. I, I want to take this time to thank you um, for doing this because um, I felt this conversation was really important. And I also just want to say congratulations as a, um, as a black woman. I know you talked about, you know, other, other ethnic groups and that's fine. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to congratulate you as a black woman, seeing a woman that, you know, look like me and look like my mom and my sisters and my, my wife is truly an honor to see the great things you've accomplished. So congratulations to you.
1: Thank you. And and congratulations to your wife, too. Like, I, I love and respect that to see other folks that look like us in the industry, too. But thank you for that.
0: Definitely. Um, I want to take the time to thank everyone who listened to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. Um, You all have a great day.